Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, we are checking in as the international break has come upon us uh, for a match week 25 review, uh, looking back at all the Bundesliga action uh, from the weekend with uh, Mark and myself and Peter as per. Um, so I hope you're doing well, gents. We've got uh, plenty to get through this evening. Um, so before we get started, as per usual, a little bit of admin. Um, so first and foremost, uh, please do smash like on the video, um, comment along whether you're watching live or subsequently to ask your questions should you wish, uh, or just remark on how your team's doing, what you thought about the weekend's games, etc. Uh, and of course, press that red button and subscribe to the channel push us up towards that 900 marker first and foremost and then on to a thousand hopefully by the end of the season uh of course we are in partnership with Bundesliga boxes the fantastic company that keep on producing uh the goods uh if you're after any authentic german football t-shirt get yourself over to twitter or their website and make sure you snap up one of those uh you can get anything from Bundesliga to regional liga which is fantastic and of course we are in partnership with bullying news as well um, a fantastic website uh, that provides up-to-date Bundesliga information in English for all those well speaking fans um also it looks like we've got a new viewer Tristan for the first time ever so that's fantastic Tristan welcome along we hope you enjoy the show um and I think that's pretty much it so we will we'll dive into the first match um that we'll be covering this evening uh which was uh the the big build match um, from the weekend where we saw uh, FC Bayern Munich take on uh, a well resurgent, I think I can call them resurgent Leverkusen, certainly after the weekend anyway. Um, and what was a, a highly charged match uh, and one that saw some uh, particularly interesting VAR calls, gents. Uh, I mean, Leverkusen were the stronger side, certainly from a possession Point of view and had some good chances in that first half, but the likes of DRB and Co were not able to punish Bayern, um, which the champions duly did uh, after Joshua Kimmich was set out by Leon Goretzka um, to, well, smashing a deflected opener. But the second half then uh, carried out some rather interesting VAR calls, hence the title of our. Um, of our show tonight, which I very proudly put together. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we had some VAR penalty drama, uh, gents. Um, first and foremost, Mark, do we think in a roundabout way the the right calls were made with uh, with those two incidents involving Amin Adli? Yeah, I mean, he was the man of the show, really, wasn't he? It was an absolutely, it was almost like an acting performance by him in some ways. Obviously, like uh, two, two, uh, well, what were eventually given as fouls, but were initially, he was booked twice, actually, incredibly, Adley. And uh, both the dives, uh, the referee considered both of them to be dives initially on his first appearance. But then obviously that's what's changed now with VAR, isn't it? And obviously he was able to, the Kölner Keller, as they call it, were able to call him back to double check it on the board and both were considered to be penalties. Yeah, uh, my opinion on whether they were, to be honest, the first one when I saw it, I thought it was a joke of a decision when I first saw it because I thought it was given for the push, but it actually seemed like it was given for a, a foot like uh, effectively kind of stamped on, I think it was Delict who stamped on uh, 
Adley's foot. I mean, it was, he did make the most of it, but sometimes that's what you've got to do in modern football, isn't it? And obviously, he was initially booked, but at first when I saw it, I was like, no way is he given a penalty for that because there was also a little push on his back, but that was far too little contact. But then on second look, you do see that he stamps on the back of his foot and it probably is a penalty for me in the end. I think... As I say, when I first saw it, I wasn't convinced at all. The second one was a stonewaller for me. That was an absolute clear penalty, I think. Again, I don't know why the referee thought uh, it was a, a dive initially. He probably thought, you know, surely he's not got away with two. But yeah, it was. For me, it was right on the edge of the box on the left-hand side. And it was a clear, he hacked him down, didn't he, when he was clear through on goal. And for me, that was a clearer penalty than the first one, probably overall. But, you know, it was clever play from Adley because he did make the most of both of them a little bit. And sometimes it makes it look worse when the players go down and kind of, you know. But sometimes that's what you've got to do. I mean, Bayern Munich have done that more than enough times over the years, haven't they, to get soft penalties. So, for me, probably both were the correct decisions. And got to say, Palacios brilliantly put them away because, you know, it's not easy. As England fans and Harry Kane know, it's not easy to score penalty, uh, two penalties in the the same game especially just 20 minutes after each other as well but he did superbly well the Argentinian World Cup winner and I thought it was a deserved win for the home side I thought they were brilliant in the game Bayern Munich took the lead through Kimmich against the run of play very much against the run of play but I thought that um until the last 10 minutes that was the only time that Bayern Munich really got any kind of control over the game and for me it was a deserved win for the uh Noramus yeah absolutely um, Peter, what, what what have we made of Leverkusen then under um, under Shabby Alonso there? O other than Dortmund, over the last 13 games, no other club has um, won more points than Leverkusen, 28. Um, and it was the first time I like this stat, first time a Leverkusen player has scored twice from the spot in one game since Dimitar Berbatov against Kaiserslautern <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in 2006. Yeah. Um, well, this was a match that was beautiful on so many levels. Um, tactically, uh, what Xabi Alonso has been doing is he's been playing Robert Andrich, the um, defensive midfielder, as a libero uh, in the back three, sort of pivoted up there in the back three. And it's a double pivot because he has Florian Wirtz, the, uh, the German phenom, as a false nine. And that's how you disrupt um, a tactical play from Bayern. I mean, Nagelsmann, you could see the way he had the team set up. He wanted it finished early. He wanted everybody out the door. He wanted everybody, uh, you know, there for the international break. Uh, but uh, Bayern were really annoyed. They were really perturbed and disturbed by the fact that they had to put in some defensive work uh, on this. And that was, of course, from, from a German football fan's perspective, the fact that Bayern lost is always beautiful. Uh, but um, what is uh, uh, what an insane match! Uh, it was actually Pavard who stamped on um, ah, yeah. yeah Adli's foot uh, there and the uh, on the first one and Upa Makano on the second. I, I agree with Mark; they were both actually clear penalties once Var took a look at them. Tobias Stila, the referee, um, admitted his mistake immediately after the game in his post-match interview. Said that the Var team was his lifesaver. That was, it's just beautiful. I mean, this guy has, has refed 141 uh, Bundesliga top-tier matches since uh, 2012, and he admitted he got the diving call wrong on both of them immediately and, and thanked VAR. So, um, yeah, this was – wow, what a result. Um, Leverkusen, our only Europa League representatives left, sadly. 
but mm. uh, we can be a little bit proud of them because I mean, what Xavi has done, particularly with the Andrich positional assignment as a libero, is, is just uh, top notch. And um, it's not easy for Palacios to sink two penalties uh, in one match. Actually, another hilarious thing about this the Leverkusen Ultras in the Nordkova decided to unfurl an anti VAR protest banner. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually, you know, because and they said, you know, va, also video device abschaffen, das macht ihr zu affen, it makes you into apes, you know, which is ironic in several senses because VAR saved the day for them twice in this game. And VAR doesn't make us into apes either. It actually distinguishes us from our chimpanzee cousins, I would say, by the fact that we uh, <laughs> are quite capable of. Uh, you know, learning, using technology, learning from our mistakes, admitting that we were wrong, doing all sorts of other things. Um, wow, what a match. What can I say? And it, it's all perfectly positioned. We got Bayern Dortmund coming up after the international break with it Dortmund is. in first place uh, for the first time since the 2018-19 um, the uh, campaign uh, this, this late in the season. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It couldn't be better. <laughs> Um, and then what, what about Leverkusen's chances for the rest of the season? Because, yeah, they have picked up significantly under Alonso. They've been given a pretty presentable draw now in the Europa League. They're obviously, they're playing um, Union Berlin's Conquerors, uh, mm -hmm. saying Galen. Um, so that that is, yeah, as I say, presentable. The semi-final draw as well means that they would, should they qualify, uh, avoid Juventus. Uh, Man United, for example. Um, so we shall certainly be supporting them throughout this March. Do you, do you see them getting into a Europa League final? Could we have another Bundesliga final, uh, well, representative in a final to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's quite possible with Viat's in form. I actually see that we have a question <clears throat> from Tristan about Frankfurt. And mm. since we have the table up there, you know, we can talk a little bit about Leverkusen's prospects of maybe finishing sixth. Of course, they got to get past Wolfsburg. Uh, but what's going on with Frankfurt right now is that um, the uh, it's been, what, eight straight uh, games without a win, the Champions League elimination. Uh, we've got too many players uh, who are getting set to depart on freeze after the summer. Daichi Kamada is, is one example. Um, uh, guys like Randall Kolomani probably wants to step up. Gibroso, the midfield pressing machine as well, uh, wants to go to the Premiership. So we've got a lot of players who seem to have their heads elsewhere. And uh, Oliver Glasner's press conference after the latest defeat to Union Berlin over the weekend was quite telling in that uh, he was very thin-skinned. He was very, very critical of his players. He was critical of Frankfurt, the uh, SKA management uh, structure there uh, for, for not uh, uh, getting him suitable replacements and things of this nature. And he even said, I don't have quality and I don't know how to train quality. So what we have going on in Frankfurt right now, a team that uh, I foolishly picked to win the league when uh, Mark and I got together uh, in January, um, is we have a team with players who are all of a sudden wanting to be somewhere else and, and have their have their heads uh, elsewhere. An defensive back three that with Smolcic and Tuta and, uh, if, you know, everyone except for Makoto Hasebe, who just signed a contract extension. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's 55 or something. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so they're kind of falling apart. So if we look at Leverkusen, um, 
you know, I think that they're a better team than Wolfsburg. Uh, Frankfurt, things could get significantly worse for them. So you could see Leverkusen make it up to sixth place there in the table. Um, whether or not uh, uh, they can make it to the Europa League final. Um, I think that uh, the the, uh, the Belgian side there, uh, what did I call them? Union 60 in my match reports to distinguish from Union Berlin because it was always Union versus Union and you couldn't... <laughs> Um, I think they're actually a tough opponent. I mean, uh, I, 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 it's, I, it's going to be tough for them to to make it past them. So we'll see after the quarterfinals. But yeah, Leverkusen are finally on the march thanks to Alonso. And we always knew that when Vietz came back, um, that it would be a different team. You know, that's that's really the phenom is the is the man who makes this team. So. And congratulations yeah. to them again for just absolutely standing tall against Bayern this weekend. That was they they took a team and and made them look annoyed at having to defend. We're Bayern München. We don't have to defend. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, it's exactly what's come up in the comments from Kyle. Actually, uh, picked up on that which comment that was on screen a minute ago. Leverkusen pressed the right buttons um, and had real pace, which was key. So, yeah, absolutely correct in, in what you're saying there, Kyle, as well. Um, but, yeah, fantastic um, match to, to have on Sunday. And um, what we already knew was, of course, that Dortmund had already done their job um, on Saturday evening, Mark, um, and just went to town on a Köln side that are uh, feeling feeling the pressure somewhat, um, just unleashed um, a bit of Dortmund classics onto them and, and Marco Royce becoming a even more historic figure in Dortmund folklore uh, with his two goals um, and overtaking Zork as all-time top goal scorer. Uh, and it just must have been a fantastic uh, evening in Dortmund with that fine, fine performance. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen Dortmund kind of uh, run the cleaners through many teams this season, despite as as good as they've been in the rook runda. We've not seen them rack up five and six, which has kind of been the trademark, really, of D uh, Dortmund over the years, hadn't it? Scoring goals. As you can see on the table, they've only got 55 goals, which isn't as many as what they'd normally score by this stage of the season. You know, just over two goals a game average. Often they can have like 65, 70 goals by this stage and be like, 10 points worse off than what they are now. That's the crazy thing with them. We've seen them really improve the midfield and defence, but we haven't seen them score as many goals. And part of that is because they've not had that kind of super prolific goal scorer this season that they have in the past, with the likes of Aubameyang, obviously Lewandowski, and then more recently Haaland as well. But obviously, Allaire is really starting to show quality now. He hasn't scored that many goals, but obviously this was his first double in Dortmund colours. And, you know, this was a real game that he wanted to show himself against, a, I'll be honest, a poor Köln side who I'm starting to really worry about a little bit at the moment under Stefan Baumgart. They're only going in one direction at the moment. They really are. And it's not up, let's say, that much. But yeah, let's focus on Dortmund for now. I just thought they were absolutely... It was such an easy win, basically. Despite the fact that it was 6-1, I wouldn't say it was their best performance of the season, in truth. I think defensively, they weren't outstanding in this game. Schlotterbeck wasn't his usual recent form, I didn't think. Because, I mean, Köln, they got one goal through Davy Selker. I mean, that says everything, really, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, he doesn't get many. And then they missed an open goal from Schindler near the end as well. I mean, how he missed that one, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, defensively, it wasn't their best performance. But I thought, going forward, they were super. Marlon, even Marlon came to form in this game. And he's not a player that I particularly rate at all. But I thought he had one of his better games, just terrorised the 
defense of uh, Köln. I thought Schmidt's had a really poor game. Hubers as well was constantly out of position. Bellingham looked a bit closer to his form as well. We, we mentioned on the last show that he's not been at the very, very top of his game for the last probably month or so. But I thought this, this was his best performance for a while. Guerrero as well, getting the goal. Sula looked quality too from the back, bringing the ball out into the midfield. And I just thought, obviously, the, the main man though is Royce, wasn't he? he? He is the quality in that side. He is the kind of linchpin and I thought he was brilliant in this game. You know, obviously, finally breaking that record, getting his 170th goal to overtake Sorg as the record Dortmund goalscorer. He deserves that. I mean, obviously, over quite a few years, because I think he's been there since, what, at least 10 years now in Dortmund colours, I think, or around about 10 years. So, obviously, he's done that over a long period of time. But he seems to be having a kind of late career resurgence, really, this season. And it's great to see for Dortmund. They, they have a great chance of winning the Bundesliga title for me. Because I, I just think that Bayern are going to keep dropping points, you know. Defensively, they don't look very good. They don't look at it at all at the moment. They're going to be worried about playing Man City as well. They're going to be really, really terrified of Man City, I think, in that quarterfinal. And, you know, maybe even the Dortmund game might get overlooked a little bit because the first leg of that tie is the week after the Dortmund game, the midweek after it. So... You know, a lot of Bundesliga fans will be hoping that Dortmund can at least get a point there or even nick three. But, uh, you know, I, I do think this is the best chance Dortmund have had for a long time of winning the title. I really do believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick question in from Tristan, in around a man who is doing some serious um, damage to opposition uh, defences, Rafa Guerrero. Mm -hmm. uh, do we see him re-signing now? Uh, there's also been a lot of chat around Blair. It seemed like maybe a couple of months ago, it was fairly certain that he would be off elsewhere. Um, Peter, I mean, obviously, as Tristan says, seeing him playing further up the pitch in midfield is playing to his strengths. Um, yes, he's the real story. Well, Eden Tazic can he seem he can do no wrong tactically uh, at the moment. Um, I, mean, I think even the um, <clears throat> in the two-two draw with Schalke, which you discussed uh, last week with the um, the Schalke fan. Uh, a society leader. Uh, his tactics were pretty sound. Uh, the latest on Guerrero is that um, they've opted to uh, tender him a two-year contract extension. Uh, that's the latest over in the Bundesliga beat. It looks like Royce is also going to resign a um, or uh, resign for one year. Uh, he is 33 years of age at the moment, but uh, we consider him a, a German football legend. He wants to remain in Dortmund. He wants to end his career in Dortmund. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, he, he's always been unfortunate. The 2014 World Cup injury, the 2016 um, uh, European Championship injury, and then, of course, uh, the goal that he scored in the 2018 debacle and, and you know, and so on and so forth. So Royce, um, <clears throat> originally, I mean, of course, he, he came up through Gladbach, but he's a Dortmunder through and through. And he does not want to leave the Bundesliga public. He is not the type of player who's going to end his career on the Arabian Peninsula uh, in MLS. Or uh, I guess we don't go to China anymore. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that both Guerrero and uh, Royce will resign. Actually, uh, Dahoud did a very good job uh, mimicking Emre Khan, who was unavailable mm. there in midfield as well. Um, yeah. They've confirmed that uh, they're not going to extend with him. But they said the same thing about Guerrero, so you never know. They might uh, they might <clears throat> do a 180 and, and try and extend with him as well. 
I mean, Kale, uh, this is his first year taking over for Michael Zork, um, and he's done a really good job, I would have to say. I mean, when they were in sixth place at the um, at the winter break, he was he was under immense amount of pressure um, to uh, um, you know to to do something in the transfer window. And when he got Julian Rios on, everybody was like, "Well, okay." <laughs> uh, that's turned out to be wonderful. Also, in part because of the play of Marius Wolf, who has uh, gotten mm. his first German national team call up yes. now uh, late in his career. Um, and Halea, as Mark mentioned, uh, getting that brace, he'd only scored one goal prior to that, and that was in the route, I believe, over shorthanded Freiburg. So he really needed to get some skin in the game. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, coming back from the situation that he was coming back from, everybody knew that he needed time to get fit again and, and really start scoring again. But uh, Dortmund don't really have a go-to goal uh, scorer. Uh, they don't. I mean, Mukoko's racked up a few. Um, you know, Brandt has, has, you know, before his injury was in scintillating form. But otherwise, the goals and the sister spread out across the squad, which is not a bad thing. But, uh, you know, you still need a 15, 20 goal striker if you plan on winning the Bundesliga. I would, you know, I would conjecture. Um, of course, the fact that Bayern doesn't have one either is, <laughs> so, you know, okay. uh, even playing field makes it interesting. But I, I fully anticipate that they're going to get Guerrero resigned. I mean, he's what he did in that. And Kerr are not awful. I mean, they're an awful, awful team. We can talk about them. Maybe the less said, the better. I don't know. But they are horrible. They they went 360 Bundesliga minutes without scoring a goal uh, before Davy Selka scored his maiden goal for Kuhn. They have nobody who can mm -hmm. score. The quality is awful. Besides Jonas Hector and Elias Skiri, there's nobody who on that starting lineup right now who's playing like a top-tier Bundesliga player. Mm -hmm. uh, and that includes Baumgart's designated keeper, Marvin Schwebe. He's just, you know, he's making mistakes left and right. Um, but <laughs> as awful as Kern were, we, we just have to give... We have to give credit to Dortmund. I mean, everybody on the pitch played really, really, really well. And uh, Mark mentioned that Jude Bellingham sort of exited a little bit of a slump. I mean, what counts as a slump by Jude Bellingham's standard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 really going uh, great for them. And Tasic always has the team drilled and the right tactics. I mean, he basically uses a four-one-four-one, but it's always a little bit modified. But he has them well drilled in the in the right tactics week after week, and very true. Really, really keeping my fingers crossed that Sebastian Halea, um, you know, it doesn't come back from the the international break injured because I mean mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 a tough schedule. He's got to go down there for Cote d'Ivoire. I think they're playing the Comoros, uh, so he's got to hop down to to West Africa, and then he's got to go over to the Indian mm -hmm. Ocean and all this stuff. So. Hopefully they manage his his uh, his play uh, very well. I mean, big Cote d'Ivoire fan here, but uh, <laughs> I hope that, uh, that, he, that he comes back healthy. That's that's very very important. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Spe speaking of um, Köln, then uh, we won't we won't linger on them too long. But I, obviously, as you mentioned, Peter, there were goalers coming in this for. Number of minutes until Selke's. Uh, well, we had two efforts at it, didn't he? Um, getting it past Mayer um, for their one goal in the match. Um, yeah, winless in five, conceding 13, scoring one. Um, and this was after a pretty promising start to the, um, well, after the winter break. 
they obviously put seven goals past Werder. Uh, they drew with Bayern in a game that myself and Mark covered, um, uh, you know, and, and looked good. Possibly should have won the match. Uh, drew with RB Leipzig, beat Frankfurt 3-0, although obviously having said that, Frankfurt aren't quite at the races at the moment. So this win of this run of five winless games, um, I mean, where's it ending? Probably nowhere any good for me. Uh, and they are surely going to be dragged into this really enticing and exciting relegation race. Yeah, I mean, if they don't sort themselves out soon, they. I think Peter, you actually predicted them to finish third from bottom, didn't you, in our kind of rook runder show? And uh, for a long period, oh, it looked like that was a point. <laughs> At the moment, things are looking desperate, absolutely mm. desperate for them. Like I watched the game when they played Bochum, and they were woeful in that. Absolutely, I mean, that if they could have won that game, they'd probably have been safe. Let's be honest, you know, at that time, but. As things happen now, they go into the derby, as Kyle mentions as well. Yeah, I think coming from Kyle, yeah, they play Munchen Glad back in the next game, the, the big derby. And that's got to be a game that they're targeting as a win because I, they've got some hard fixtures to come. I think after that, they go away to Augsburg, who are one of the best home sides in the division at the moment. They're, they're not likely to get anything out of that, let's be honest. And then they've got some really hard games after that against some of the top teams in the Bundesliga. And I just don't rate them. As Peter mentioned, I just think the squad itself looks woeful. I mean, I saw them live away at Stuttgart and they were they were dreadful in that game. Absolutely dreadful. They, they barely created a single chance against a poor Stuttgart side, you know. And like, I mean, Stuttgart were good. Don't get me wrong. On that day, that was their best performance of the season. But I mean, they, they have a great support. The, the fans deserve better than what they're getting at the moment, but they, they don't have the money. That's the problem for Stuttgart, I think. You know, Obviously, they lost Modest. They lost Özkan, who's done well for Dortmund. And then, in obviously, they also lost... Uh, they'll probably lose Shaqiri as well this summer. And if they don't go down this season, which I think they will just about stay up, I think they probably need another six, seven points to retain their status in this league, which they probably should get from nine games really ultimately but i think next season they're going to be my bet for relegation definitely yeah absolutely yeah, well, so we i wanted to mention that um you know okay so where are the goals going to come from you know i mean there was a time when you thought that Stefan uh, Stefan Tigas could uh net eight or ten goals in a bundesliga campaign that's not happening uh when you, you deploy a front line of sarges adamayan and davy selka are are you really expecting to score goals? Uh, and, and I didn't want to take anything away from Guerrero, who played. I didn't. He was all over the place. He was a he was a eight. He was a ten. He was a six. But Baumgart had this really really loose midfield diamond with Kainz and Lujibishits uh, uh, really far back, and uh, Skiri, you know, almost playing as a sweeper, and this this Danish guy Olsen up front. I mean, the diamond just couldn't hold. So you could have their you could have your way with Kern in the midfield because I mean the the diamond kept getting stretched and it was just a fragile piece of glass is what it was. Yeah. And that's what that's what Kern are. I mean Skiri has scored I, I think yeah like what seven of the 11 goals or whatever that they've scored since we since play resumed in in 2023. Mm. You got nobody to score. I mean, and look, I mean, you like players like Linton Mina or Dennis Hussein Basic who was in the fourth division last year. I mean, you, you you like those guys, but they're not they're not Bundesliga caliber. They're just they're just not not yet at least. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I'm really looking forward to the to the derby. Um, you know, for those who uh, who you know tune into the the Bundesliga sparingly, Kern Gladbach is is 
probably next to Schalke Dortmund. That's the biggest derby in the in the whole land. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll see some passion from both of these sides because uh, both of these sides have been wretched as of late uh, for different reasons. And uh, but now they have an excuse to really get stuck in and show up for the match. So hopefully they'll give us a show when the Bundesliga comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Some big games to come uh, in the weeks ahead. So whilst we're down here, then um, there were some more significant results uh, amongst the sides that are involved in the relegation race. As you can all see on screen, or if you're listening to the podcast, um, obviously we now have a slightly different order in the feather uh, because of Stuttgart's loss and uh, Schalke's last-minute draw, Hoffenheim's win. We now have Stuttgart at the bottom of the table. Hard to say. Schalke now in 17th, Hertha in 16th, and Hoffenheim all of a sudden 15th, Vulcan 14th after two wins on the trot. Um in terms of where we're going to start from a match point of view, um, I mean, let's start with Hoffenheim Hertha. Um, first, first win for Pellegrini Matarazzo. Uh, Almost got my words the wrong way around there. Uh, uh, obviously, in a first half where Hoffenheim, you know, really helped uh, and you know the better side. Um, I think one thing possibly to target from a review point of view would be that. Herter's defense was just comical. Um, the I think it was well the Babu goal, uh, the the punt forward, and, and what three three Herter defenders like comically went up the headers um, and, and completely missed, and then Babu slots in the third. Obviously, the Kramerich um, getting some important goals for his side, and, and the game was sealed after that. Um, you know, it, hugely significant result at, at the bottom of the table. Really putting Hertha down in the dumps and and giving Hoffenheim Sinsheim uh, fans uh, reason for cheer uh, as they now sit outside the relegation zone. All of a sudden, after all that doom and gloom, going into the international break, they are officially out of trouble for now. Um, Mark, um, look, looking at the game itself, do we just think that Hoffenheim, when they have the players on the pitch, your Baumgartners, your you know your Krammeriches? There's possibly too much quality in this side to go down. Um, but at the same time, Herta defensively just looks so, so dreadful. Yeah, I think it's a hard one to analyse this one because I think while Hoffenheim, it was a comfortable win at the end of the day, but I, it wasn't a very high quality game, I didn't think in truth. you know. And I think most of the goals could have been avoided. But as you mentioned, there were some standout performances from Hoffenheim. It was another game with two penalties, again, which were both converted by Kramaric as well, which, you know, the first one was a, a little bit soft, I thought, really. And to be honest, I did think that Hertha were done out of a penalty themselves as well. Like they should have had a penalty as well at 2-0 down. I think it was the one when it was a save from uh, Bauman. And then it kind of flicked off the Hoffenheim defender's hand. And that, that for me, was a clear handball, which stopped the Hertha striker. I think it was Niederlechner from getting the ball. That should have been a penalty. And, you know, those decisions can go against you. They were already 2-0 down at the time, so they might not have got something out of it anyway. But that was a clear penalty for me. I, I think the first Hoffenheim penalty was maybe a little bit soft, but you do tend to get those kind of handballs these days, don't you? Yeah. So, I mean, that was a... Yeah, I mean, you do get them. I never really like to see handball penalties, to be honest, because I just think most of them are really soft, but it is the rules at the end of the day. So easily, both penalties really well tucked away by Hoffenheim. But 
as you mentioned, like Hertha, we've talked a lot about their excellent home form recently, but they can't convert that into away form at all. And away from home, they look woeful, really woeful. Yeah, this was a game that they should have been looking to win against a woefully out of form Hoffenheim side who hadn't won since way back before the World Cup. Incredibly, it was like way back in like October last time they won a game of football. So you know, you've got to be looking at that kind of game as a win, but. I think we've always mentioned it with Hoffenheim. They do have a good squad of players at the end of the day. They have a mid-table to even upper mid-table squad of football players, as, as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure you guys would probably agree with that. And I thought Baumgartner showed up for this game. He played well. Kramaric, who has had his worst season probably ever for Hoffenheim since he joined the club, uh, started, well, he, he was pretty good in this game. At least he put the penalties away, which was vital for the, for the home side. Stiller looked pretty decent too, who's not also not really lived up to expectations in, in this season. But as for Hertha, as you mentioned, I mean, Plattenhard had a really, really poor game. Uremovic is not really looking mm. what they kind of hoped him to be. He was poor in defence. And even Christensen, you know, he's not, he doesn't look that convincing. I think when he had that amazing end to last season, people were thinking he was going to be one of the big things to look out for this season in the Bundesliga. But he's not really... You know, mis mistakes are creeping in and it was quite poor on the third goal. I thought really perhaps you did a little bit better when Baby was able to easily slide that home for the game. I mean, as for Hoffenheim, they, they, they deservedly won the game, but they never really made things easy for themselves. I mean, what, what was Dabur thinking with that awful challenge? You know, I mean, you're 3-0 up at home. One of your best players this season, I would say, he's been one of the few bright sparks in most cases, Dabur, when I've seen him. And now he's going to probably get a three-match ban for that horrendous challenge on Luca Bacchio. He deservedly got him a red card. And, you know, that's not what you need. And uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo won't be happy about that. But effectively, that, that win has saved his job because there was a lot of talk that if they'd have lost that game or even drawn it, that he could have been given the proverbial boot from Hoffenheim after just six games. I mean, that's how bad things were for the for the home side. But, you know, that I wouldn't say, you know, it's probably papering over cracks a little bit this win because they need to back it up and they need to get another three, four wins if they want to retain the status in this league. But it's a starting point for Matarazzo and... You know, most Bundesliga fans will probably probably have been happier to see them in 18th rather than 15th, in truth. But it's a stepping stone for them and they probably will just about survive, I think. Sure. Any uh, any extra thoughts on, on this one, Peter? Um, just, uh, I guess, as Mark said, I think quite nicely, probably Hoffenheim papering over cracks. They're, they're bigger tests are, are naturally to come. Um, but you do have to beat the teams that you're down there with also. Uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> Mark uh, pretty much covered everything. I mean, I had to write Pellegrino Matarazzo a little love letter in my tactics column this week because I had, I had given him failing marks uh, in my American <laughs> Bundesliga one, and I had predicted that he was going to get fired. And um, at his press conference, he was basically a nice little sleight of hand from Matarazzo. He was, he was saying, I really like how Ilas Bebu and Munas de Boer work as the two strikers set. So he was hinting that he was going to keep Kramaric on the bench, which was what all of us were screaming, what the hell are you doing? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. of course, he's not in good form now, but he should be starting. And what Matarazzo did, which was quite clever, is he put Kramaric as a buttressing attacker. He put Baumgartner as the second striker up there by Bebu. Um, and uh, I agree. <laughs> you know, uh, I actually, I, I think the handball penalty, of course, I'm biased because it was John Anthony Brooks who headed the uh, uh, the ball into uh, Sajerzy's uh, 
arms. And so Jersey had his back to the ball, but he did have both of his arms up. He did. So, um, and and this was a great game for Brooks. I'm so happy that he's arrived. I'm so happy that I get to write a nice a nice section about him uh, in this coming week's column. Um, and the 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 handball penalty that that Mark mentioned uh, involving Skov at the uh, at the beginning of the second half that could have that could have changed matters. But I mean, Skov kind of looked like he was trying to get his arm out of the way, and he had his hands to his side. So I, I think it was the right call at the end of the day. Whatever the hell Munas Dabor was doing, that was most unbecoming of him. I, I have mm -hmm. not expect that from Munas Dabor. Paulo Otavio, yes, but not Munas Dabor. <laughs> um, and uh, Hertha had a little bit of bad luck. Uh, Martin Dardai and Mark Oliver Kempf had to withdraw late. So Plattenhart had to move into the back three uh, behind Middelstedt uh, as the wing back. And... Uh, there was the, the whole the back three was a mess. You know, they just had a horrible time defending all afternoon. Marco Richter uh, was deployed far too back and he had to help out with the defending. I think he got booked in a game that he could have been sent all. He could have been booked three or four times. He just got the one uh, yellow card for, for one of his dirty tackles. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it was a great relegation rumble. Um, you know, the relegation race here is, is, is as exciting as it's been in 10 years, I would say. Um, I was covering the 1530 kickoffs and I was trying to keep all the permutations straight in my head as, as everything was, was going on there. And it was really tough because all of the relegation <laughs> teams were playing and, and mm. all had, you know, most of the matches had great finishes. So we'll see. I, maybe we, we probably need to see a back four from Hatta in the future. Don't you guys think, don't, don't you think guys think it's time to bring up that your boy, John Joe Kenny and let him play right back away from home. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Away from home, they look like they could ship six, seven every game. To be honest, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah, bring on, bring back four, four, two. Mike Bassett style. Exactly play a four-three-three with Luka Bakio yeah. in, in the middle and uh, flanked by Ingangkamp and Niederlechner, or maybe Jovetic now that he's yeah, healthy again, sure. or, or uh, um, Wilfried Kanga is also back. So. He's got a lot of he's he's got a lot of options. It's mm -hmm. uh. yeah, agreed. Um, so th there was, as you mentioned, Peter, lot lots going on in the um, well, the half two kickoffs for me. Um, <laughs> as yeah, lot lot lots of teams were playing at the same time, and there were some exciting finishes. Uh, no less exciting than the game involving Schalke um, and Augsburg, who. Um, have now interrupted their perfect form of win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. Um, <laughs> thrown in a draw there, uh, and they were very close to breaking or equaling um, one of uh, their um, well, would have been five five wins on the trot in the Bundesliga, and I think would have been the first time they'd done that in many a year. Uh, but obviously, Schalke um, came to town and have made sure that they stay unbeaten, eight games unbeaten now for uh for schalke um and yeah that, at the moment they just look like a club who um have got a great spirit uh i think we mentioned a, a good few weeks ago they've now got a system in place uh they have uh you know a goal scorer who can finish chances and, and can take responsibility in maris bulta uh who put away that pressure penalty right at the end um after Possibly a bit of luck in regards to the penalty is one of those where the defender, you know, just swings swings a leg and happens to make contact. Um, and that's obviously what's denied the home side. 
Uh, but obviously permutations for that are that Augsburg, I guess, are still just about considered in the relegation race. Uh, well, very, very slim kind of uh, relegation race, I'd say. But obviously Schalke now have got themselves, well, keep themselves off the foot of the table and, and are well in contact and are the form team uh, in the relegation race, gent. So, um, well, uh, Mark, come to you first. Hmm. Schalke now, I mean, what are we saying about their chances? Um, do, do we put them now as favourites over Hertha and Stuttgart? Um, it, it's so hard now to predict what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, for me, they're definitely favourites at the moment. I think, uh, you know, they've got this... Thomas Rice has just instilled this amazing spirit into that club. And, you know, while they don't have the best squad of players, he's found a system that works now. You know, I mean, Marias Bulter has started to get the goals out of nowhere. I mean, I know it was a penalty in this particular game, but it, it was an important... You know, it was very important he put that away to maintain that eight-match unbeaten run because, trust me, Augsburg is not an easy place to go. You know, it's it's a good point for them away there because they're a very, very strong home side and have been for a couple of seasons now. And, you know, I thought for long periods this was going to be a classic Augsburg performance, to be honest. You know, they get the goal. They love to get that goal just after half-time, don't they? They they really like that kind of period. They get a lot of goals in that period of time, Augsburg. I mean, it was actually a mistake from the really impressive Fairman. He played a poor kind of goal kick, which was... But from then on, it was really well dealt with. And eventually, Meyer comfortably slotted past Fairman for 1-0. And then you're just thinking, you know, it's going to be another... They're so good at seeing our games at home, Augsburg. And this is one of the things they're really good at. You know, they've got that solid midfield with Rex Bahai, Engels, the ever-impressive Engels. But unfortunately, in this particular case, just like when they played Leipzig and they were three in love, when it was Iago who got the red card, this time it was Demirovic. And it was an unacceptable challenge. It was a stupid challenge that he didn't need to go up for. And... If there's one thing I can criticise Augsburg for this season, I think they've had a really good season and I think, you know, Enrico Marsen has done really well, but it's this discipline, do you know what I mean? They get too many red cards, really too many red cards. I don't know the exact number, but I would imagine it's at least five, six red cards this season that they've got. And many of them have been in important periods of games too. I remember in the reverse fixture, actually, Berisha got sent off at 2 all, and then, incredibly, Augsburg went on to win that game through an Andre Hahn header, I remember watching that really entertaining match. But this particular one, you know, I mean, Schalke weren't actually great in the game. It was it was probably one of their worst performances out of that eight-match unbeaten run. They didn't create that much. I mean, Bulter had an effort that should have got... Uh, Tirada, sorry, should have scored. Uh, he missed the best chance before the penalty. But again, it was a big surprise that it was that man. I mean, I'll never, I'm never going to be able to pronounce his name. You know, he's one of my favourite defenders in the Bundesliga, the Augsburg man, the Dutchman, Gilly. <laughs> Go on, pronounce it for me, Peter. How do we say it? How do I remember <laughs> it next time, yeah. But it was actually a very, very rare mistake from him. And he's Mr. Consistent in that Augsburg defence. He's been brilliant for them, especially at home. He made the foul. And it was a clear penalty, let's be honest. It was a penalty for me. And it was comfortably tucked away by Bulter to just about earn them probably an undeserved point in truth, I would say, over the way the game went. But it, I think both sides will be relatively happy with the point. You know, for me, Augsburg are not in the race, really, despite the fact they're only seven points clear. I think they've got at least another three, four home wins looking at their fixtures in them. I think the next home game is Köln. They also play Stuttgart at home. And I'm pretty confident they'll, they'll get at least four to six points out of those two games, which will comfortably see them safe. 
As for the Schalke, as I say, for me, they will stay up because I just think what Thomas Rice has done there is, is fantastic, as you say. Some of uh, Mercedes Jens is absolutely superb. He's a real, and uh, sorry, I stole that one from you, Peter, but I always enjoyed that yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, that partnership yeah. between Jens and Yoshida is probably one of the best in the Bundesliga <laughs> at the moment, truly. I mean, it's absolutely magnificent. They're, they're just really tight. I think Kral has been really good. My former Nuremberg friend, Thomas Kraus, mm -hmm. has done really well too in recent weeks. You know, probably one of their more highly rated players. They still don't score probably enough goals, but there's enough tenacity and desire to stay up, definitely. I think they'll get up to around about 34, 35 points, which will just about keep them in the division for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, um, <clears throat> well, as you correctly pointed out, it wasn't a, a very good performance from Schalke. Um, I think after all of the excitement and the thrills of the, uh, the Revia Derby last weekend, you know, we were expecting uh, Henning Matrasiani and uh, Keenan Karaman to play like supermen again. But they fell back down to, you know, the level that they were. Two players that were incredibly excited about in German football circles, by the way. Karaman, the former Düsseldorf player who's uh, who's come back now and scored uh, the tying goal uh, against Dortmund. And Matrasiani, uh, young man, I think he's only 22 years of age, uh, the hairline May deceive you. Uh, he's <laughs> the, the Benedict Hervidis problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was um, not an academy player. Uh, worked his way up uh, through his hometown uh, club of Lippstadt. Um, I'm not even sure where that is exactly, but uh, he um, <clears throat> was just hometown kid. Worked his way up as an amateur. Uh, signed with Schalke a couple of years back. Worked in the Knappenschmiede. Uh, played one game during that relegation season. And then this year, he's been used all over the place. I, you know, he's been a center back. He's been a right back. He's been, and then, you know, his his um, amazing play as a left back against Dortmund wasn't so amazing this week. And neither were Kraus and Karl and, and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of great stories around Schalke. Matrosiani got his first call up to the Germany U21s uh, this time around. So, uh and Mercedes Jens, which you didn't steal that from me. I stole that from the Celtic fans. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and Yoshida, uh, you know, veteran coming back here. They are probably the best center half duo at the, in, the, in the league at this moment, even better than Sule and Schlotterbeck. Um, so, yeah, a lot of great stories. It was not a good performance from them. They were sort of gifted that, that chance back in at the end. But, I mean, you want to tip the relegation race now where do you go i mean schalke are still on this unbeaten run had to have some injuries clearing up stuttgart you know uh, <clears throat> maybe now that joshua wagnermann has been called up to the national team that he he can be good enough for for bruno labadia at right back um Please. and yeah <laughs> and, and and bochum won against leipzig <laughs> this weekend uh at the vonovia Stadion. With Herbert Grönemeyer, Tief and Westen, everything is is beautiful for them once again. So, how the hell? And uh, Augsburg, I don't think are in the relegation race. Köln are definitely going down. They don't. I don't see well here. So I mean, you got Köln, Bochum, Hoffenheim, Hertha, Schalke, Stuttgart, all separated by uh, by five points. That's within the relegation six pointer range. Oh, don't bother tipping it. You just don't know. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of, I'm, I'm trying to avoid Stuttgart to the very last, so we'll do Balkan first. Um, <laughs> so they have they have one two on the bounce, and um, we we were chatting about this game on Thursday when we marked with Runa. Uh, when when discussing is it is it right to put in RB Leipzig assets because of what happened with City, um, we kind of mm. expected them to bounce back and and be really hungry, but we were also quite wary, thinking I think I said this is either going to be a one nil Balkan or it's going to be four five four five nil Leipzig, and mm. and yeah, it obviously ended up being um, another. Well, not smash and grab, but certainly, uh, well, another goal for Masovic. Well, he's got four goals in seven games, something <laughs> daft like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Balkan, um, you know, play, played the first half as they needed to. They kept Leipzig relatively quiet. Uh, Werner spurning a few chances uh, for the away side. Um, again, obviously, once Balkan got into the lead, Leipzig did respond. Um, Silva had a few chances. Uh, once Danny Olmo came on, I think he had four chances, or four shots at least, uh, towards the end. And then that lovely, mazy run from Shabozlai, uh, which nearly ended up, obviously, in the equaliser where it bounces off the post and mercifully right into Araiman's hands or gloves. Um, and yeah, the the home side see it out. So, I mean, off the back of this, obviously, win against Köln, and now this win against Leipzig. Did, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't see that coming. Those two back to back wins. I I'm not sure if either of you two did. Based on our conversations recently, I don't think we saw this coming for Balkan. So. What what has changed, Mark Peter? Um, has anything changed, or have they just you know found a way to win a couple of games, and that makes a huge difference? Yeah, I mean, I think this one. Let's be honest, this was an amazing. I love this game of Bundesliga football. To be honest, this is what the Bundesliga is all about. You know, a full house at the Venobia Arena. I think all of us have got a bit of a soft spot for Bolton. Really, you know, it's in the hotbed of German football, right next to Dortmund up in Nordrhein-Westfalen. You know, they've got a brilliant support. The ultras are superb, you know, and this was a classic example of home advantage, what it can do in football, you know, because I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, Leipzig were by far the better, especially in the second half. And the, the ball just wouldn't go into the back of the onion bag. Let's be honest. I mean, probably the most uh, the, that, that was brutal. I mean, that so, Sobersly's amazing um, run. And then obviously Andre Silver, it, it looked in for all the world. And I mean, how did that not go in? And then it literally smashes the post and goes straight into Riemann's hands. I mean, that was just, that was an amazing moment, I thought, you know. And I thought, I was so happy for Bolcom that they got the rub of the green there because this was a superb defensive performance from the home side, you know. And they realised that Leipzig might be a little bit down in the dumps after the Man City embarrassment. And then for, for the first half, they were. I mean, the first half was a bit of a non-event, in truth. I didn't think it was a very good game in the first half. But the game came to life with that Masovic header, which basically couldn't miss, let's be honest. And that was really, other than a couple of other kind of half chances, that was the only big chance that Bolcom had in the game of football, really. Other than that, it was Leipzig pushing, pushing for that level. As you mentioned, Werner missed a few chances. That Sabozlai was desperately doing everything he could to score wouldn't go in. Even Poulsen, you know, we saw a rare appearance from him as well, a rare start these days from him. He, you know, didn't really have such an impact. And then 
I was just so happy, really, for the Bolcom side. You know, I mean, they work so hard, don't they? Antria J was really dangerous down the wides. Hoffman has gone off form a little bit, which could be a little bit concerning for them because he was their talisman. He was pretty mm. much, he didn't do a lot in this game. I thought Asano and Antria J were a lot more dangerous for them. You know, the likes of Ordets, Suarez, who's come back to form as well. I just thought... You know, you can't say it was an amazing attacking performance, but this was a, a relegation performance. You know, that this is what you need to do to stay in a top flight in any league of football. You know, you need to get those gritty wins at home. And what a win over a top four challenging side. You know, a few weeks ago, it looked as though Lech was even being lined up for the, the sack, even, which would have been a bit harsh for me, I think, because he's done well overall, especially where he picked the side up from. That's now eight wins for Bolton, which is considerably more than most of the teams around them. They've lost too many games, but, you know, they're a side that don't draw games. They either win or lose. As you can see, they've only drawn one game the whole season, which is pretty incredible. But congratulations, Bolton. I'm really, really happy for them. And I believe they will stay up now after kind of sorting out that poor run of form just a few weeks ago. There you go. Um Peter, two things then off the back of that performance um, is obviously the the Balkan defence. So in in the first half, Andre Silva won one of seventeen challenges, probably most of them in the air. Obviously, just going to show probably how much of a non-event the first half was, but also how strong Balkan's defending was. And then the other interesting statistic: RB Leipzig have now conceded seventeen goals from set pieces, which is um, the second worst. Um, behind Balkan themselves, I think, um, which is second, mm -hmm. oh, so yeah, second most behind Balkan. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, are Leipzig a bit of a soft touch in there, and therefore did Balkan <coughs> try their hand on that? Well, it was a it was a tactical masterclass from Thomas Lech. We talked about how fragile the Kern diamond was against Dortmund. His midfield diamond uh, with Lucia, Osterhager, Stöger, and Asano was nice and tight. And Antria J was kind of a service striker, but he was working up the wings a lot. Um, set pieces, uh, Rosa <clears throat> berated his team for conceding off uh, the long throw. Uh, that's how Masovic got his fourth goal of the season, Erhan Masovic. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but uh, And that actually happened in the Freiburg-Mainz game, too. Uh, Servan Vidma had a, had a long throw uh, uh, that um, Ajorke was able to set up on a Siwo at the death. So, yeah, Rosa was livid afterwards, even though I think he got out tech. Look, that's how you beat a 4 2 2 2. You, you put a nice, uh, a, you know, strong midfield diamond in there. And uh, he berated his team afterwards, said, There's nothing simpler than defending a throw in, which is both true and untrue. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fans of the long throw know that, that, it's, that it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Bochum, they have every right to be flying high Hoffman. I, he has, he hasn't scored in a while, but he still looks good. Um, I think that Antoine J as a service striker is, is an experiment that can work. We sh we could also mention <clears throat> that Dominic Heinz came in to play left back, um, uh, for Suarez for the consecutive, uh, second consecutive match and, and also looked very good. So yeah, I, they they absolutely can't stand even with that horrible goal differential. They they absolutely can stand to stay up if if they get a couple of more home wins, which they can. Absolutely. Um, just conscious of time, so we'll fly we'll fly through. Um, obviously, the last game involving a relegation threatened side, and I say threatened in the loosest terms because Stuttgart are well in 
um, the Maya. Um, a 1-0 loss at home to, to Wolfsburg. Uh, Omar Marmouche comes nice. back to haunt us. Wow. Um, in uh, in what, what was a very bright performance by Marmouche, um, he gave, well, most of the Stuttgart defence the runaround, uh, particularly um, Ito, uh, who did not cover himself in glory for the goal and for another great chance that Marmouche had. Uh, in the second half, I think it was, Obviously, the the kind of standard Stuttgart uh, avalanche, well, not avalanche of chances or um, late uh, run came, where I, but only really kind of produced the the chance for Milot. Uh, I think where Castell mm-hmm. pretty comfortably saves it, um, and Gilles Diaz obviously had the half volley chance in the first half. Um, but uh, I mean, don't don't really know where to start with Stuttgart because they just don't know how to win games. They <laughs> don't have any goals in the team. Um, obviously, Gerasi is a big miss. Um, but And they don't ever seem to get thumped either. They're just these annoying 2-1, 1-0 um, <laughs> games. Uh, and you just think, if they had a goal scorer, then perhaps they wouldn't be in this trouble. But I'm sure there are many more issues around the pitch, which is very true. Uh, Jens, just very quickly, um, Wolfsburg looking, obviously, uh, a lot higher up and, and chasing European football, for sure. Uh, but Stuttgart, I mean, are we saying they're now firm favourites to go down? Uh, can can their form pick up? Uh, what I mean, is Labadia going to stay put? So many questions. Yeah, it's, it's sorry. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I think it's a real tough one because I think um, when I watched them live, you know, I was so impressed with them as I've mentioned before, and I still think there is some quality in the side. But I think one of the problems is the over reliance on Silas. Like, I know that everybody's a little bit, uh, you know, we all like to look back into the past sometimes and remember the great times. And, you know, we all remember when Silas was the kind of golden boy of the Bundesliga for half a season. But unfortunately, he got an injury. And I'm going to be honest with you, he hasn't come back the same football player and you know he's playing a number nine the last couple of games and it's just not working out as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. he, he doesn't look even good enough to play Bundesliga to me anymore let alone as a, as a number nine starting striker you know I, I, it pains me to say that because I still remember fondly the days when he you know ripped Dortmund apart at the Signal Iduna Park you know and uh, those amazing performances from him but we can't be too nostalgic can we and you know we've got a relegation fight on our hands here and he, he can't keep playing as a number nine I think, yeah, Gil Diaz is in and out, isn't he? Like, I quite like him as a player, but I don't know. When I when I saw him live, he was fantastic that day, but mm-hmm. he clearly doesn't do it on a regular basis. And yeah. Furik's another one. I mean, he came good a few weeks ago, didn't he, Furik? When I saw him again, he was really good. But since then, he's gone back to his, he's reverted to type, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he's gone back to that fighter league player that, let's be honest, he probably always was. And yeah, I just think the midfield isn't working. Haraguchi and Endo, uh, we've talked about it before. It doesn't seem to be the best uh, axis uh, in midfield. And I don't know, though, because they're not a terrible team. That's the thing, as you mentioned, only minus 13 goal difference. For a team that are bottom of the league at this stage of the season, there's not many teams that only have a minus 13 goal difference. You know, and They've not been getting hammered, but they just don't win games of football. That's the problem with them. And they don't have the quality up front and consistency to win games. That's the problem for them, for me. Yeah, 
Yeah, nicely summarised, I'd say, Mark. Uh, Peter, any more thoughts on Stuttgart, or, or do you want to depress me even more? <laughs> well, the good news is that I think you'll get Grirasi back, uh, and then yes. Silas could maybe play on the right wing. Sosa could work a split stagger. Mark's <clears throat> the most telling thing about what of Mark's analysis is in and out. And that's what we're seeing from all of these players. Uh, nobody is stringing together two good performances in a row, period. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll reiterate that Wagnermann probably needs to be starting it right back. And, probably, and, yeah. yeah. So, but they are, look, they, they are a team that, that, that can play a good game of football <clears throat> uh, when people are on. And uh, Silas has had, you know, he's had his games. He, he answered his coach's challenge just the other week. But then he went down the dumps again. I, I, I hope he finds his form again. Mm, it's been yeah. such a tough couple of years for him with that major ACL surgery and the and then all the the, the stuff over his name. You know the, the how his agent uh, faked his legal name and things like that. So yeah, you you really do hope uh, that he makes his way back. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we yeah we, we won. Um, going to go over that in too much more detail um uh, we'll just very quickly skirt over the games that we've not gone on just as always just conscious of time um so a uh, well uh, a still staggering frankfurt um who played a good first half uh against union but then succumbed in the second half um you know the quality of frankfurt's chances were were pretty high as the xgs will probably tell you uh union uh, Berlin, um, taken home by Rani Kadira, watched by uh, his brother in the stands, getting his first goal for Union, which is a lovely moment, as well as Kevin Behrens um, making an impact uh, and smashing one through Trapp's legs just about. Uh, I think Union have got nine goals from substitutes um, so far this season, showing that, um, you know, they are very uh, clever in the way that they manage games. Uh, it was Fisher. So um, Union, obviously, probably one of the major benefactors from the results for the weekend as well, chaps. Uh, obviously, Leipzig uh, dropping points as well as Bayern. Um, I shall filter back up to the top of the table so we can see that. But just very quickly, positives for Union, but Frankfurt starting to stumble or even more. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a. It was more about the results. You know, this was a massive game in terms of the table. We knew that Union, you know, crashing out of Europe in disappointing fashion against San Galois in midfield uh, in midweek. Sorry, but as you mentioned, I mean, Frankfurt is just not going for them at the moment. You know, Colomuani missed a couple of chances. Kamada, who's really gone on form in recent times, probably because he's likely to leave on a free in the summer. We often see this happen, don't we, unfortunately, when players look like they're leaving. For me, this was a very professional performance from Union. I didn't think it was the best attacking performance we've seen from them this season but it was a classic union win really wasn't it? it was like like grind them down and then punish them when you get the chances you know and the goal the vital goal from rani kadira was a scrappy one wasn't it? it was a miscleared corner and it eventually kind of bundled in by kadira but union berlin are another side that are very good from one nil ahead when you when you let them get ahead they tend to win 90 percent of games and you know that they did it pretty comfortably in the end i thought they were the better side once they got one nil ahead you know and as you mentioned super sub barons who's had a good season uh getting the second and as you mentioned that that table is looking quite pretty for them again now isn't it obviously with freiburg's last minute conceded goal which obviously we'll come to in a minute you know, none of those teams around them won and they're back to being favourites for Champions League football, which would be an 
astronomical achievement for them. Yeah, absolutely. And then Peter on on Freiburg um, almost got a really significant win away in Mainz. But that man on Nisiwo's, um, well, uh, good form or, or renaissance, I think we were calling it, um, strikes again with a very late, late, late equaliser uh, for the club. And, and you know, they're, they're still hovering around with, with good form at the moment in the top end of the table. So, uh, yeah, the points were shared in that game as well. They were a great holdup by Jorke on that goal. <clears throat> uh, I think 1-1 was the result that most German football fans wanted out of that match, believe it or not, because mm -hmm. we want both Leipzig, uh, or both Mainz and Freiburg uh, in, the, um, <clears throat> in the hunt for the European places. And uh, insofar as Frankfurt is concerned, Mark mentioned Kamada. Uh, Olomuani seems to have his head elsewhere. He can't finish. Uh, Evan Indica, who is also departing on this summer on a free, has been awful. And that Glasner press conference scares me, man. Anybody can watch it. Go watch it. I mean, he looks like he just given up on his team, not interested in coaching them anymore. Maybe thinking about taking a premiership job. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah. There's a Tottenham are interested. So yeah, well, Tottenham um, might be having their own yeah issues, uh, which we won't talk about. Uh, and then a very interesting um, second half between as mid table as you can get, as they're not on screen at the moment. Um, front, uh, sorry, Gladbach um, and uh, Verder. Sorry, I almost forgot who they played. Uh, ran out a pretty entertaining uh, second half. Marcus Chiram impressing, um, Hoffman impressing uh, as per usual. Lovely to see Florian Neuhaus score as well, I thought. Um, obviously, his his troubles with injuries, um, very nice finish as well. And Dusk um, getting those two goals. Very patient first goal as well. Managed to sit down the keeper and the defender to slot home his first goal. And then um, if we're talking about striker combos, you know, probably one of the strongest in the league, Dusk and uh, Fulkrug. Uh, Fulkrug setting up... Um, his buddy for the equaliser late on as well. So yeah, not much to take from that, but strong performances from um, both kind of central well, attacking units uh, in that second half as well. Um, and that will probably bring us very nicely to a close this evening. Um, so Mark, I'll, uh, I'll hand over to you to bring us to a close this evening. Yeah, sure. So if you enjoyed what you saw today, then remember to check out our Twitter feed at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Remember also to check out our main page, which is otbfootball.net. So yeah, as I mentioned before, the this is everything football related, women's football, obviously a lot of big games in the Women's Champions League tonight as well. Uh, yeah, obviously international games as well coming up. So don't forget that as well. I think um, some interesting matches in the Euro qualifiers as well, which will be in Germany, by the way, as well. So that's kind of adds a lot of interest as well. The fact that Euro 2024 will be in Deutschland. Yeah, mm -hmm. so all, a lot of people have forgotten about that one. But yeah, it's definitely something that I think a lot of people over here are looking forward to. We haven't to. forgotten about that, Mark. That's yeah, <laughs> in England, they've forgotten about it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, and then obviously, yeah, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe as well, uh, which helps the channel. So thanks a lot to some of the new guys and some of our regulars as well. Good to see Balam uh, in there as well. Sorry we didn't get to all your questions, but yeah, I'm sure we'll answer them again next time. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys, and bye-bye. <laughs>